Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. My name is Richard Serrett and this is The Conspiracy Show. Coming to you courtesy of our blowtorch flagship station, AM740, Zoomer Radio in Toronto. And a hello to all of you listening in on one of our affiliates, online at zoomeradio.ca and talkzone.com, and of course, via the podcast. Uh, next week on the uh, program, wanted to give you a heads up, the legendary Jim Mars will be on the program. And of course, he'll also be making his first and possibly last visit to our fair city, Toronto, in a couple of weeks. And uh, we'll be speaking at the Bloor Cinema on the 22nd of June. This is presented by our good friends Patrick and Kadena of Conspiracy Culture. And uh, I'll be emceeing the event. If you haven't purchased tickets yet, please do so before they're all gone. Jim may not be uh, back this way again. So this is not to be missed. And of course, after the speaking event on the 22nd of the Bloor Cinema, Everyone is invited across the street, I believe it's the Popper Pub on Bloor, to hoist a few jars with the legendary Jim Mars. <laughs> I didn't mean to, to rhyme there, but it worked out quite nicely. Jars and Mars. Anyway, uh, if you want, if you haven't ordered tickets, go to conspiracyculture.com and, uh, or you can go to my website, richardserrett.com, and I've got a great big banner ad for the Jim Mars event. Just wait for the, uh, the, the, the banner ads rotate. Wait for it to come up. Click on it. It'll take you, you'll land on a page where all the details are there. How to order tickets. So let's get that done. And of course, you know, Jim Mars, he was the guy that wrote Crossfire, which served in part as the basis for Oliver Stone's JFK. Uh, many, many look at that, uh, that film as, as a documentary. Uh, and of course, he also wrote Rule by Secrecy, which is a great primer for those of you who are interested in in conspiracies and political subterfuge and, and um, the rise of the Fourth Reich, which chronicles America's descent into tyranny. Uh, and it, it's interesting because, I don't know if you've been living under a rock and haven't noticed, the growing list of abuses of power by various government agencies in the United States, uh, from the IRS, which has been caught targeting and harassing conservative groups, to the Environmental Protection Agency, which is now employing drones to monitor farms for compliance with environmental regulations. And just I was just reading about the LAPD. The Los Angeles Police Department has added two drones to its arsenal, two Dragonflyer X-6 unmanned aircraft. You'll notice now the LAPD will not use the term drone. It's got, obviously, that's a very politically charged term. They use... The, the term unmanned aircraft. And they're essentially small helicopters. They're about three feet wide. They're equipped with cameras, video cameras, infrared night vision capabilities. Now, the LAPD says, well, we're going to be very judicious in how we use them. We don't intend to use this new hardware to keep watch from above on the unsuspecting public. If they're used at all, the LAPD says, the remotely controlled aircraft will be called on for only quote, narrow and prescribed uses, end quote. Narrow and prescribed uses, whatever that means. And uh, these uses will be made clear to the public, according to the LAPD. Well, if you believe that, uh, I don't know what to tell you <laughs> at this point. Of course, there's, there's also this, 
it's really a it's a it's a simmering seething anger that's taking place across the United States in well most recently in Salinas California but in dozens of other cities where there are these perceived incidents of police brutality police forces out of control police forces shooting reportedly unarmed homeless people all further evidence of what some are describing as the militarization of local police forces and to an outsider it appears the United States is descending into a police state, an Orwellian nightmare come true. And Police State USA happens to be the name of a new book by Washington Times journalist Cheryl K. Chumley. In it, she explores how radical environmentalism has eroded property rights. We've been talking a lot about Agenda 21 on the program. How the Patriot Act has intruded on personal privacy, the extended reach of American intelligence in the name of security, the militarization, as I say, of local police forces, how the national media misrepresent the policies of security, and much more. And that's where we're headed for the next hour. Cheryl K. Chumley, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Hey, Richard. It's great to be here. Thank you. Good to have you aboard. You might find it uh, amusing or ironic uh, to note that this program, this radio program, is... uh, uh, broadcasting out of Toronto in a neighborhood called Liberty Village, and the station, the station is located on Jeff- Jefferson Avenue. So, wow! And it's uh, I, I I found it interesting. You you begin Chapter Eight with one of my fi- favorite uh, Jefferson quotes: "If a nation expects to be ignorant and free in a state of civilization, it expects what never was and never will be." Uh, do you think most Americans remain ignorant of of your country's inexorable march towards tyranny, or, or are they starting to wake up? I think most Americans are aware that there's different government encroachments going on uh, at various levels. I don't think that most Americans have the overall big picture of how, you know, state, local, federal, even international governments play into that. Um, so that's what I, I kind of hope to do in this book, to shed some more light on a growing problem. Well, quite frankly, I find it refreshing that someone who toils in the vineyards of the mainstream media, the Washington Times, uh you know, would be making, would be chronicling this because normally these sorts of, you know, uh, warning bells and accusations uh, uh, come from sort of a marginalized sector uh, of, of the media, the alternative press, if you will, or, or shows like this. And as I say, it's, it's encouraging uh, that, um, that it's coming from, from your quarters. I mean, how, how is this information being received by your colleagues when you, when you pass them in the in the hallways or or uh, you know gather uh, for coffee, I mean, are they on side or do, or do they look at you and say, "Well, Cheryl, don't you think you're you're going a little too far?" Well, uh, it it just came out a few days ago, so there hasn't been much feedback. And I also work from home a great deal of the time, so I don't I don't rub elbows elbows uh, on a day to day basis with a lot of my colleagues. But you raise an interesting point about the conspiracy aspect, and the thing is. When I was doing a lot of research, 80% of my sources came from mainstream stories. You know, CNN would report on something, and I'd pull that out, and I'd double-check it with other media sources. I don't have to go to these alternative news sources to find most of the stories that are in my book because they're all chronicled by the mainstream media. It's just the connections aren't being made. Right, right. I I believe it was the Washington Times at the end of 2013 uh, ran kind of a, a summation of the year that was with the headline, 2013 the year that proved your paranoid friends were right. Was that the Times? Am I correct? Do you remember that? 
I don't remember that, but that sounds like a good headline, and I would say I would have to agree with it. When did this all begin? This, uh, I mean, if we could, it, was there a um, a moment in time for you during your research? You said this is where it all began to unfold, or has this just been sort of this imperceptible uh, process of gradualism uh, in this in this uh, uh, development of, of uh, a police state? Right. I, I would say that a lot of this stuff started back in the progressive era, where you had a lot more, uh, you know, feel-good politicians who had good intentions to do the right thing and provide for all Americans, which is totally counter what our Constitution and our founding fathers says the government should do. But it really ratcheted up, and I'm sure this is no surprise to you, after September 11th, when we were attacked by terrorists on our own U.S. soil. And that made any call for security... Uh, kind of a blanket rubber stamp through government programs. Well, let's talk a, a, a bit about the Patriot Act, because obviously it, it, it's um, a large part of your book, Police State USA, How Orwell's Nightmare is Becoming Our Reality. Uh, here you have about a, almost a 400-page document, something like nearly 60,000 words, uh, and yet it's, it's ready to go. It whips through the House at breakneck speed and the Senate. Um, you know, months after the attack, a document like that must have taken... Months and months and months uh, uh, to prepare. Um, when, when you look back at, at, at when that passed and, and the, the circumstances under which it passed, do you, do you think it, do you find it odd that uh, that it that it passed the way it did? Many Congress uh, members of Congress probably didn't even read it or have time to read it. I don't think anybody read it. Uh, <laughs> you're exactly right. It, it passed at breakneck speed. Congress never works that quickly. Uh, so that should have been the first red flag. But, of course, as you probably heard yourself, as the years go by and the Patriot Act just keeps getting, uh, you know, bolstered and, and strengthened by Congress and the White House, you even have the main author of the Patriot Act, uh, Senator Sensenbrenner, saying that we've gone too far, and he wants portions of it repealed. So that, that's another red flag. But don't you think that that document was prepared well in advance of the, the the incident that supposedly gave rise to it, and that, that would be the 9-11 terror attack. It does seem strange that a document that large could be created practically overnight and then rubber-stamped through Congress. I don't have any uh, factual insights as, as far as proving or disproving if it was created well before the September 11th uh, bombing disaster, bombing terrorists attack on our nation, but it does seem odd that it was ready to go that quickly. What what uh, sections uh, of this massive document do you find most disturbing, maybe that are so far-reaching, they're really not necessarily even about pr- protecting us from terrorism? Yeah, a good portion of it, really, and I haven't read the whole thing. I just tried to pull out a couple of different portions of the Patriot Act that people really need to be aware of because it seems egregious. The PRISM aspect of it, where uh, that's the NS, the National Security Agency's name for a computer network uh, that it used to tap into data processors through nine different uh, major Internet corporations. Some of those were Google, AOL, Facebook, Skype, and so forth. And they actually, the NSA actually used that program to collect Americans' You know, innocent Americans' private uh, search histories, their emails, their file transfers, their live chats. So you don't even have to be suspected 
of a terrorist uh, attack or plotting something of that nature. Uh, chances are the NSA has some of your private personal information on some of these nine social media sites, packed away and stored away in a data center somewhere. All right, we'll, uh, we'll take a time out. We'll come back and continue to delve into Cheryl K. Chumley's chronicling of America's descent into tyranny. Police State USA, how Orwell's nightmare is becoming our reality. Get on board. Comments, questions. The conspiracy continues right after this. Don't go away. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Cheryl Chumley is a veteran journalist with the Washington Times and also writes about politics and government for various newspapers, Internet news sites, and think tanks. She was a year-long Robert Novak Journalism Fellow in 2008, where she spent a year researching and writing about private property rights. And her new book is Police State USA, How Orwell's Nightmare is Becoming Our Reality. Let me just crib here. Uh, from the uh, inside of the dust cover. Over the years, we've seen an increase in the abuses of power by our government. The government controls what goes on in our schools, lunches, monitors our private communications on Facebook, and determines the content of our prayers in public places, all in an effort to protect and control the American people. The leaders repeatedly trample our rights as though they were granted by the government itself. That's key, isn't it? The the, the the um, inability of some people to understand, in my mind, that, that uh, where we get our rights from, and you hear, particularly up here in Canada, this is a particular uh, bug of, bu- bugaboo of mine, Cheryl, everyone describes what I, what I feel are inalienable rights as a privilege. Oh, it's a privilege to have a driver's license and to be able to operate a, a motor vehicle. No, it's not a privilege. It's an inalienable right. Um, I mean, where is that heading now in the United States in terms of... Uh, the, uh, the the dividing line between you know privileges and rights. Does everyone think that all of their rights are privileges? Uh, that is the big uh, the big deeper battle going on. Uh, if you look at whoever's in office, Republican, Democrat, it really doesn't matter. The, these encroachments by the government are happening on a daily basis in people's own communities, whether they realize it or not. But the deeper issue, as you point out, is that our rights in America, as enshrined in our founding documents, our rights come from God, not government. And if you lose that asset, because that's the thing that's the greatest, in my view, about America and about uh, people of free nations everywhere who believe similarly, if you lose that, then that just opens the door for the government to come in, be the provider of all, which if you flip that, they can also be the taker of all also. I wanted to get your take uh, on uh, on uh, Edward Snowden. Do you, do you believe that, that um, his revelations about the abuses of power by the NSA, do you think that that was an act of, of um, uh, heroism, uh, or is he a traitor? Yeah, I've been asked that a lot in the last few days, and I have to tell you, my view of Edward Snowden isn't nailed down yet. I know, you know, traitor versus, uh, you know, patriot, but I, I still have a few questions. First off, I don't see the information that he's released so far as being that damaging to America, mostly because I see most of the information he's released as being more an embarrassment to the White House or things that during the course of my research, I realize anyhow that the government, chances are they're spying on you, maybe not to the same degree that Edward Snowden indicated, but at the same time, I think 
thinking that the government isn't spying on innocent Americans is a bit naive. But my problem with Edward Snowden is I don't like how he took off from this country. I find that a little bit cowardly. And I'm also concerned that he's over there in Russia under, uh, you know, the ex-KGB agent Putin. And I find it hard to believe that he's not giving some sort of information in trade for being allowed to stay in that nation. So I'll just have to wait and see how, how it plays out a little bit more. Well, he, he says that he was on his way uh, to South or Central America, and it was the U.S. State Department that canceled his his, uh, his passport, which basically trapped him in, in Russia. Right, and he says that he's um, he insists he's a patriot, and now he's making claims that he's actually a known spy for the CIA and the NSA. Uh, like Like I said... He doesn't have my full trust, but neither does the federal government. So I don't have a hard and fast opinion on whether he's a traitor yet or a patriot. Right. But I do know some of the information he's released is very revealing, and it's bringing it into the public discourse, which is good. How would you characterize the uh, uh, Obama uh, White House, the Obama administration, uh, in terms of uh, openness uh, and uh, efforts to, I mean, he, he came in, obviously, uh, with, with great promise that he was going to, you know, close down Guantanamo Bay. Uh, I don't think he necessarily said that he was going to roll back, home, you know, the Patriot Act, but I, I, I think that that was sort of um, a part of that message, you know, that, that uh, there were going to be a, a restoration of, of civil liberties and so forth. But and to my mind, I mean, with, with, with Obama, not to get overly political here, but we have almost like the uh, combination, uh, the worst co- combination imaginable of uh, Jimmy Carter and Nixon all rolled into one. That's probably a good way to characterize it. Uh, yeah, Obama did run on a platform of openness and transparency. He swept away, you know, a lot of liberals and a lot of ideologues in this nation who just, they, they looked at him as the hope and change administration, the one that was going to make everybody accountable for all their actions, bring transparency to government and save the world and so forth. And what's happened is he's been the most clamped down, secretive president in most of the White House press corps recent memory, you know, you even have liberal stations and liberal media outlets complaining that the Obama administration won't release information. And as far as as what he's done with the Patriot Act, he's actually come out when the whole Edward Snowden issue started snowballing. Obama took the platform and the national and international stages and promised that he was going to turn back the clock on some of these spy abilities of our intelligence agencies. And in fact, he hasn't done anything. I wanted to talk to you about uh, uh, what you describe as the militarization of local police forces. And uh, I mentioned the LAPD uh, now in possession of uh, two drones, these Dragonfly X-6s. I believe they were a, a gift from the Seattle Police Department, so it would appear that there are other police forces that now have these drones. How, how, how uh, worried are you about the, um, I, I guess, the, the uh, ever-increasing arsenal uh, at the disposal of local police? Yeah, it's, you know, it's not just drones. It's uh, The police stations around the nation are, are looking with great interest at what our FCC is going to do in terms of ruling on how drones might be used on American soil. There's a lot of police departments that have drones. There are a lot of police departments that are fighting to get drones. Uh, the cons- I, I guess it's still unclear what they can use those drones for on a daily basis. But that's, that in itself is a concern. 
But when you add in all the gear that the, mili- that the police are getting from military battlefields, we have a Pentagon program that turns around and sells things like Kevlars and, and high-powered rifles and so forth, uh, you know, full-body armor, to local police departments. And police have been scooping up this gear at a fraction of the price in the last few years with dramatic speed. Now, you know, before September 11th, most police departments in America, they just had single, you know, pump-action shotguns, regular civilian-type uh, you know, weaponry and so forth. Now they're outfitted with Kevlars, full-body armors. They ride around in Humvees, helicopters. Some of them have armored vehicles. You know, can you imagine armored vehicles rolling down the streets of, of your local community? Uh, you, I'm sure you could picture that in Toronto. It's just, it, it's turning all the local police departments from the mindset of, of protect and serve into, you know, attack and defend. Uh, and, and what about these, uh, what it would appear to be these growing incidents of uh, police forces uh, or police officers shooting ostensibly unarmed people? Uh, we had the incident, two incidents in Salinas, uh, I think within 10 days, Salinas, California. There have been a number of incidents in Phoenix, uh, Arizona, where I don't know whether the police are feeling more emboldened, uh, you know, to start, uh, you know, firing off their weapons at uh, anyone who crosses their eyes at them? I don't know. What's going on there? Well, you're right, Richard. They are feeling more emboldened. It was just a few days ago that a local SWAT team attacked a home down in Georgia, threw some smoke grenades in. Unfortunately, the smoke grenade ended up in a, in a crib, a baby's crib. Yes. An 18-month-old baby's face was half blown off because the SWAT team was executing a search warrant for drugs. I mean, this has gone above and beyond. When you start having your, your innocent Americans, I don't care if their parents are guilty of drug crimes or not. You know, you, you don't throw grenades in at babies and then just justify it. Well, we're just trying to protect our police officers from what may happen if we storm the home and get fired upon. These incidences are going on at, a, at an alarming rate around the nation. They're not really few and far between anymore. And that is a little scary for the average American. Uh, barely a week goes by where I don't see a YouTube video, a civilian recording some sort of uh, police brutality. In fact, just across the lake in Buffalo, um, a, a woman recorded a, um, a suspect being um, basically beaten. And then the police officer went up to her, grabbed her cell phone, stepped on it. Um, and it started this whole debate as to whether, you know, citizens can... Uh, are within their rights to to video uh, police. Uh, people are starting to fight back. People are getting angry about this, and they should. Uh, in, uh, in what founding father mind could could be envisioned a scenario where uh, an innocent American, not arrested for anything, is simply videotaping a police officer, and the police officer swarms with his buddies and goes nuts? That's just crazy. Of course you can videotape police officers. And if you're a police officer, if I was a police officer, I wouldn't mind having my actions be recorded because if I was accused of doing something wrong, I could refer to the tape. So it it just... The mindset and the training that's going on in as far as uh, how our police officers are being taught and trained to deal with innocent, innocent Americans as well as suspects, it, it's getting a little bit out of control. Uh, you know, not to malign, you know, at the old, you have to say it, but 99% of police officers are there for all the right reasons. They want to help people, but it just takes, you know, one psychopath with a taser 
to just taint everything uh, in, in the wrong way. And it reminds me of, I forget the, the, the comedian who said this, uh, but she was pulled over by a police officer for speeding, and he, uh, she rolled down her window, and he came up to the uh, a car and ducked his head in, asked for her driver's, and, uh, driver's license and registration, and said, do you know why I'm here? To which she responded, you got a C average in high school? Uh, so is, I mean, is it just a case of, of, uh, of uh, people with not enough education, with too much power, poor training, or is there something more sinister afoot here? Is this coming from the top down? Well, look, there is a security threat in America. It just, it just is everywhere in the world. There's, there's big security threats going on right now. And police officers are humans, too. They have families to go home to and children and so forth. And so if you're a police officer and you have an opportunity to make your job safer, you know, a police officer, of course, is going to want that equipment. So on one hand, you can understand the logic. But on the other hand, you can't understand the logic that if you're trying to make the country safer, uh, instead of giving police officers, say, militarized equipment straight off the battlefields of Afghanistan, how about cracking down on the borders first? Because no matter what police do, as long as we have an open border, we have a security issue. We're also hearing tales from, uh, for example, uh, gun store owners, uh, where they're being visited by uh, the FBI and told to report on uh, uh, people, law-abiding citizens who go in to order uh, a, a weapon of some sort, and if they they're, they're being told, you know, you don't you don't have to worry about extreme Isla- Islamists here. It, what you need to be on the lookout for are, are people who talk about, uh, you know, things like um, being a sovereign individual or, or people that are hoarding uh, or storing uh, food and water and maybe people who buy, you know. Uh, uh, gold coins and squirrel them away, uh, building this case that it's the domestic terrorists now that we need to be on the on the on the watch for, and who ends up on this you know domestic terror list? It's it's anyone who is in opposition to you know the present regime. It seems. Well, it's definitely the militia groups. Uh, you know, those those top the list, no doubt. But then you have uh, people on the list who are simply conservative in nature. Maybe they have traditional conservative beliefs. I believe in the Pentagon or in the Department of Defense, there was some sort of memo that came out that showed that those with conservative uh, Tea Party-type beliefs are somebody to be placed on a watch list, just as, as you were describing. But you, you also have the, the Attorney General under President Obama, Eric Holder, issuing things like Operation Choke Point, where they don't want guns to end up in the hands of innocent Americans, you know, who have Second Amendment freedoms and rights and so forth. So what they do is they go behind the scenes to these local gun shops and banks, and they try and coerce them to not do business. So you have, you know, innocent Americans, they're not allowed to exercise their Second Amendment rights. And then at the same time, you have the federal government cracking down on anybody with conservative traditional values. It just seems a recipe for a constitutional disaster. All right, we'll continue to discuss Police State USA with Cheryl K. Chumley right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Cheryl K. Chumley is with us, the author of Police State USA, How Orwell's Nightmare is Becoming Our Reality. Uh, the whole Clive and Bundy and uh, Bureau of Land Management uh, standoff 
sort of quieted down, uh, out of sight, out of mind, although uh, I think it, it sort of highlighted a little-known fact, and that is how much land is actually under the control of the U.S. government. Now, I've heard varying uh, accounts. Uh, I've heard that the, the BLM alone manages about one-eighth of America's land. That's about 250 million acres. Uh, but then when you include the other government agencies like the U.S. Forest Service and national parks and fish and wildlife and so forth, you're looking at about one-third of America is controlled by these by these government agencies. And uh, I, I just, I mean, where is this all going, uh, Cheryl? What's what's the end game here? Yeah, and remember, that's just federal, because states have various ways of taking and controlling, grabbing lands and so forth also. They, they call it preserving, but it really it's all about controlling and keeping it off limits to any kind of human development. I don't know where it's all going. I know that there's, you know, different theories out there about, you know, the United States working with the United Nations and so forth. Uh, a lot of it is environmental issues where if you corral all these people into smart growth grids uh, where they live and work all in the same community and they all live in little townhomes and so forth, then all that land can be saved for supposedly our future generations to enjoy, but we really don't get to enjoy much of it because the federal government is too busy keeping us out. As you saw with... Uh, you know, rifled armed agents, if need be. Are you seeing evidence that uh, that that people are being forced out of rural areas and and herded into these large urban centers? For example, I mean, some sometimes they they they'll use less uh, obvious or overt methods. Uh, they may simply stop managing or maintaining the county road, or they might start closing down. You know those those public schools, or or hiking property taxes, or uh, you know basically telling people your water your well water is no good. I mean, are you seeing evidence that people are being forced off the land? Yeah, I spent years covering local government too, so I saw this stuff firsthand through your local uh, zoning and permitting offices. You know, here we have, uh, you know, most cities and counties have their local levels of government where they have offices of planning and development, zoning departments, and so forth. And all those different agencies carry permits. So if you want to build something on your land, even a shed, you have to go get a permit through the local department. Well, what's happened is because if you look at the the federal EPA working through the states and then the states impose their own environmental issues on the localities, you have all these people owning their properties. You know, they pay their properties taxes on it, but they, in effect, can't use them because the government has regulated all the uses against it. Or it becomes so burdensome to comply with all the new permitting and zoning issues that they just can't even build on it. So a lot of times people are being regulated out of their homes, or they still own their properties technically, but nothing like how founding fathers envisioned private property rights. They pay taxes, but they're not basically allowed to use them as they want. I um, was getting kind of nervous with the uh, the Bundy uh, situation. I thought that that was going to escalate, and there was going to be uh, a horrible bloodshed uh, there, and, and luckily uh, it, it sort of de-escalated. But I'm sure, you know, there's going to be there's going to be another uh, uh, Bundy-type situation. Um, uh, I mean, uh, do you think there's going to be some sort of, is there a black swan event out there waiting to happen that's going to 
just bring this whole thing to a, a, a an acute angle, if you will? I don't know if there's going to be a, a massive, you know, chaotic situation in America where people are just fed up. But like you, I watched that Clive and Bundy issue with a little bit of trepidation because I just couldn't believe our, our BLM, our Bureau of uh, Land Management agents, were standing there armed, pointing weapons, blocking off roads. They tasered that one, the Clive and Bundy's one son so badly, I'm sure you saw the YouTube of it. He had blood all over his the front of his shirt. And if you look at it, what Clive and Bundy did was he basically didn't pay a bill. That's just ridiculous. I know there was a long-running dispute over grazing fees and so forth, but in the end, it's because he didn't pay his bill to the government. So I agree that I, I think that these instances are going to escalate because I think more and more Americans are aware of them and they're willing to take a stand, and I actually think that's good. I don't think we should allow the federal government to take up arms against us for not paying a bill. All right, we'll uh, step away again for a moment, come back and finish up with Cheryl K. Chumley from the Washington Times, the author of Police State USA, How Orwell's Nightmare is Becoming Our Reality. And uh, we'll uh, get to some calls, time permitting as well. If you've got a line, hold on to it. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free 1-866-740-4740. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain and unalienable rights, wrote Thomas Jefferson in the Declaration of Independence. He confirmed that our rights come from God. Those rights are spelled out in large part in the Bill of Rights, the first ten amendments to the United States Constitution. But recently, the government has been trampling on these rights as though it was the one that granted them. Move over Bill of Rights, hello, George Orwell, and the thought crime scenarios described in his book, 1984. Uh, thus writes Cheryl K. Chumley in Police State USA, How Orwell's Nightmare is Becoming Our Reality. Uh, what do you perceive as the greatest uh, threat to U.S. national security? Is it some outside force, some uh, radical uh, Islamic terrorist organization? Is it homegrown terrorism? Or is it the United States government, Cheryl? Oh, that's a tough one. It was pretty easy until you added in the U.S. government. Uh, I would say that radical uh, Islam is is something that is a threat, not just to America, but to most countries in the West. And it's something that nobody wants to deal with because it's too politically uh, incorrect to point fingers at, at this radical segment of society. So because of that, and then you have a complicit government uh, that is afraid to face up to the truth about extremists, Muslim extremists, I think it's, it's twofold. It's probably radical Islam coupled with the fact that the American government doesn't want to take true effort to counter this threat. To what extent, though, do you think that that, that threat, real or imagined or exaggerated, is being seized upon by the U.S. government uh, uh, in order to further... Their end game, which is basically, you know, more power and and more control. Well, I would hope that there 
aren't congressmen and, and congresswomen in Capitol Hill taking advantage of, you know, the threat of terrorism to advance their own political agendas and to keep their jobs safe? I, I would hope that there aren't that many up on Capitol Hill doing that. I tend to think it's more uh, a mindset that nobody wants to come forward and name the real security threat in America, because if you do, you get you get slammed by the, the Muslim activist right groups that, uh, that are here and around the world. We had a couple hearings on Capitol Hill about this very same issue, and the congressman who was behind those, he just took, he just took a beating in the mainstream press from them. Uh, but, but I guess, you know, after writing this book, Police State USA, I'm wondering how you feel about this idea that maybe in this case the the cure uh, is worse than the disease. What do you mean the cure? Well, the the cure being uh, the Homeland Security, uh, the Patriot oh. Act, the uh, the clampdown uh, uh, and further erosion of, of civil civil liberties, uh, all in the name of defending us against. This outside threat. I mean, here you have this porous border on your, you know, with with the United States and Mexico. If this threat were real, don't you think, you know, the the uh, Islamic extremists would be seizing upon that weakness? They'd be pouring over the borders with C4. You know, we'd have terrorist attacks left, right, and center, and in in malls, on buses, and so forth, like they have in in, in Israel. Uh, they're not they're not taking advantage of that, which leads me to conclude, you know, maybe the threat is not. As 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 big a deal as we're being told. Uh, I see what you're saying. That the outcomes that our government has taken have just—they've targeted innocent American citizens, basically. So they've gone overboard, above and beyond, say, patting down uh, babies at our nation's airport and sifting through World War II veterans' wheelchairs to make sure they're not—they're not carrying some uh, tube of toothpaste that they're not supposed to have on them on, on the airplane. But at the same time, they're letting our borders free. You know, nobody wants to speak about the real threats of our nation, the real threats that cause the terrorist attack on our nation's soil and so forth. So I don't think that... Uh, you know, terrorism isn't a threat, but I do think our government is cracking down in all the wrong ways just so they can pat themselves on the back and say that they've done a good job and get the high fives from their constituents, but at the same time, they don't have to make any hard and fast choices that could put them in the bullet line of, you know, some of these groups that don't like being named as Muslim terrorists. Would you like to see Homeland, Se- Homeland Security or the Homeland Security Department uh, rolled back, if not uh, dismantled? Yeah, the Homeland Security Department, it, the whole reason for that was supposed to be the one-stop shopping point for data. Uh, and, and the data was supposed to be used to counter terrorism. But what's happened is out of the Homeland Security came all these data centers around America. They're called fusion centers. There's like 72 of them now. And instead of rooting out terrorism, they just held capital hearings on this. They found that they're not, they're not bringing forth any intel that can be used to fight terrorism. So instead, these data centers are collecting information to combat crimes, which is more another way of saying that our police and our government is becoming militarized against innocent Americans who haven't even been charged with crimes yet. Uh, not necessarily, you know, a part of your investigation or your book, Police State, but getting back to the uh, the terrorist threat, do you know, find it somewhat disheartening that on the one hand, 
Uh, we're being told about, you know, we have to be vigilant and on guard against uh, uh, this this threat and those who perpetrated this heinous crime on 9-11. And, and, and then with the other hand, they're busy funneling arms, perhaps through Libya, uh, to uh, these the same individuals in places like Syria. The United yeah. States is, is uh, or at least the, the current administration, is is arming and supporting al-Qaeda. Yeah, I do go into detail in this. The, the just the baffling White House policy under President Obama, you know, to support the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt, you know, it, it, the, their whole policy in Egypt was crazy. And it, it's like you say, on one hand, you know, they, they want to say that they're watching out for Americans, our security and safety. But on the other hand, they're funding and providing aid and assistance and even equipment to those who seek to destroy us because of our beliefs, uh, just because we are in the West and so forth. So, yeah, it's a crazy policy coming out of the White House. Uh, recently, there was a, a U.S. senator who wrote a letter to uh, um, uh, Bashar al-Assad, in, in president of Syria, and commending him for defending Christians uh, and Jews in that country. And it's, I mean, whatever else you want to say about the Assad regime and, and his father, for the last 40 years, they have kept the peace with Israel, and they have defended Jews and Christians. I, I just read the story about that, too. Um, yeah, Assad's regime, as far as keeping peace over there, it, that has been a volatile region anyhow, and I just I don't think America should get involved with you know foreign policy where we don't have an, an open and def- well-defined in-game and out-game. We, we don't have any, you know real mission over there. It just seemed like Obama took it on himself because he was weak on foreign policy. He had to make a strong stance. So he sent, you know, Secretary of State John Kerry over there to give some speeches and so forth. And in the end, we're not doing anything over there. We're not making things better or worse. It just seems like it's weakened America in the eyes of the world. I have a number of American listeners. Uh, this uh, signal reaches well down into the United States, down into the Carolinas, Maine to Minnesota. I have a number of U.S. affiliates. Uh, uh, give our, our American listeners an assignment. What do you want them to take away from all this, and what do you want them to do? Well, first, I, I want Americans to to... To really clamp down on the idea in, in, in their minds that our nation, our greatest asset in America, is that our rights come from God, not government. And to read my book and realize, my gosh, we have strayed so far from this. It's not just Edward Snowden in the NSA. It's not just Eric Holder spying on uh, Tea Party, uh, you know, Tea Party type groups and so forth, and and sicking the IRS agents on them. It's you know. It, it's everywhere and it's in your backyards and I would like Americans to be a little bit shocked and outraged by what they read and also start taking a little bit of action some of the things that Americans can take you know it stop funding you know say the big political party groups if you're a Republican don't fund the RNC look to fund watchdog groups that actually fight for constitutional rights on Capitol Hill that will fight for the little guy the Clive and Bundy's say or you know the people who don't have their private property rights anymore because of land-grabbing governments uh, so that would be one thing I would like Americans to take from it. Uh, as someone, again, who who, uh, who toils in the, the vineyards of mainstream media, what, what is the role of, uh, I mean, there's a, I mean, the mainstream media, the, the fourth estate, the fifth estate, whatever you want to call it, they're, they're supposed to be the, you know, the, uh, the, the, the first line of defense uh, or the last line of defense against 
these abuses of power. And yet, to me, uh, there, it's, it's journalism by, uh, you know, government press release. They're, they're just not showing up for the fight. What, what, what do you have to say to, to your colleagues? That's exactly what it is, journalism by press release. You know, it seems like the media nowadays is more often taking the sides of government and being the mouthpiece for what policy they want to push instead of the watchdog for American citizens. It used to be expected when you went into journalism that you would question everything that government said. You would go to your job with a little bit of cynicism and, and even suspicion against those in power. And that's how you would report. That's the mindset you would report from. Now that's flipped. I would say 80% of reporters just taken, you know, the press release and going with it. And it's not entirely all the reporters' fault. You have a lot of editors out there, you know, driven by the publisher and the bottom line, the marketing dollars that say this is what we need to do to stay viable. I understand in, in the wake of a, of a horrendous event like 9-11 uh, where there is a bit of a, a rally round the flag mentality, uh, but that rally round the flag mentality has, has uh, persisted uh, for the last you know, 13, 14 years. And um, I just find the, uh, the, the lack of, of questioning uh, to be very disturbing uh, on the part of the mainstream media. And, and uh, it's really disheartening. And the same thing goes on, on, on here in, in Canada as well, where you just get the impression many journalists aren't, aren't fit to cover a house fire, let alone defend our liberties. Yeah, it's not, it's not just disheartening. I think it's dangerous because if you don't have the press doing its job, how are Americans going to be informed? I know there's all types of, you know, internet sites. Americans can go inform themselves and it is your duty as an American, uh, you know, or a citizen of whatever country you're from. You know, you need to stay informed and aware on what your government is doing, but the press certainly isn't making it easy for people to stay informed. And that's a danger to our freedoms. That's a real danger to the republic. Uh, just got a couple minutes here. I know we're, you know, you're two years out from the next uh, presidential election, but do you see anyone on the horizon uh, who is really going to embrace, uh, you know, these values that you that you, you believe are so important to, to, you know, to fight this uh, this horrible trend towards tyranny? Uh, anyone on the landscape that you think is capable of, you know, reversing the tide? I like Senator Ted Cruz quite a bit. I think he would be an excellent president. I don't think he would be, you know, 100%. I would agree 100% with his policies, but I do think that he would stand strong for the constitutional principles that our nation was founded upon. I think a Senator Rand Paul would do an excellent job. You saw him take a stand, well, both of them on Capitol Hill, you know, against drones and so forth. Uh, you know, those those are two candidates that I think would make excellent presidents. I don't think they have a chance when you consider that the major funding parties want somebody more like a Marco Rubio or a Mitt Romney, someone more moderate. Or a Jeb Bush. Right. Uh, well, we'll uh, certainly watch that with interest. Listen, Cheryl, uh, congratulations on Police State USA, and I appreciate you spending some time with us. Oh, it's my honor. Thank you, Richard, so much. Thank you. All right, the website, your portal to The Conspiracy Show, richardserrett.com. Hey, we, uh, we've arrived at our 500 subscribers, so I'm going to start pumping out that uh, newsletter uh, next week, I hope. So if you've subscribed, look for it, the, the inaugural uh, newsletter. And uh, if you haven't subscribed, please do so. Log on to richardserrett.com, and then right there in the, uh, the left-hand uh, corner is a... Member content 
Sign Up Login section, where you can get access to exclusive member content simply by signing up and logging in, as I say. And uh, look forward to that uh, weekly newsletter. I'm looking forward to putting it out. As always, follow the truth.